I warm up, yeah. I don't have this issue. Well, then Maybe warm up. that's the issue. God, I have to do a full like, half hour warm up before <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> I did. I warmed up today. Good God. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about relationship expectations. What is a healthy or an unhealthy relationship expectation? What's the difference between an expectation, a need, and a boundary? And how do you let go of expectations that aren't serving you or your partners? Great expectations. Sorry, that's just... I know, you've been wanting what, to make that joke since... When I was <laughs> writing this episode, Charlotte that was the only thing Bra- that... Oh, no. Was it a Bronte? It's a Bronte. Or no, was it... Was it a, was it a Dickens? Dickens? I think it was it's a Dickens. Dickens. Yeah. Yes. Charles. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Charles. Anyway, this episode has nothing to do with great expectations. I don't even know what that book's about. I have never read it. Sorry. I feel, I feel very unintelligent and not well read. So sorry. Anyway, expectations in relationships. We got a, a uh, request quite a while ago to address, particularly it was the topic of letting go of expectations or being okay with your expectations changing in a relationship. Um, And when I started researching this, it's interesting that there's a lot of competing advice out there about expectations in a relationship. Like there's definitely some places that will tell you, well, you should definitely express your expectations very, very early on in a relationship so that both of you know what's going on. And like, there's definitely some validity to that. Other places are saying, no, too many expectations can be toxic to your developing relationship. And there's certainly some validity to that. So I wanted to explore like, okay, well, what, what really is at the bottom of this? It's challenging because your personal expectations that you may not even express, but that may be going on within your head, may be very built on like the NRE that you're feeling at the beginning of a relationship. And then, you know, I don't know, you think, oh, I'm going to definitely be on the relationship escalator with this person. It's just going to, it's going so well. Things are going to happen with this person. Like, I'm going to marry them. And then something crazy changes over time when all that energy goes away. Yeah, that's definitely something that I found as I was thinking about this is that it can so change depending on what stage in a relationship you're in or what stage of your life that you happen to be in, that it can often be things that we carried with us our entire lives or that do kind of just come up suddenly in the last couple of years in reaction to life events. Like that, like expectations really are this kind of fluid thing that's difficult to pin down. Yeah, and I think that point of them changing throughout a relationship is very relevant because something that I remember hearing years ago was about any time your relationship changes label. So, for example, going from dating to calling each other boyfriends or girlfriends or the transition from that to a fiancé or to being married, that you may previously have not had expectations or, you know, not had destructive ones. But as soon as this new label gets put on, if you're not aware of it, 
you're coming in with this whole host of expectations about what that's going to look like that you mm-hmm. may not have even been aware of because if this is the first time you've been married, you've never encountered all those unconscious things that you just have in your brain that you've never made yourself aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. So as far as pinning down what what expectations can be um, and something that the two of you have already hit on is the fact that they can often be unconscious. They can be programmed into us from our upbringing. They can be, you know, we can be influenced by the media that we're watching, by the particular culture that we're living in, by our past experiences in relationships. Um, it's funny that you bring up, you know, when the label of the relationship changes, sometimes expectation changes that sometimes you, for instance, maybe you get married and you're not intending that your expectations of your wife or husband or spouse are going to change, but everyone around you, their expectations change. And that can influence you as well, as far as, you know, like everyone else's opinion about how, like what you should expect in your, in your married relationship can influence what your actual expectations are. This may be slightly off topic, but that movie 500 Days of Summer, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but that amazing scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt like side by side has the expectations versus reality. And it Uh, kind of made me think of this just, yeah, that he kind of went into that relationship with the girl thinking one thing would occur and really like building up in his head that that would be the way that his life would go with her. And then the reality of the situation was very different. That yeah, movie is a great example of really unhealthy expectations definitely. and unreasonable yes, expectations to go into that's a funny relationship with. I, I never watched that movie until I broke up with somebody. And the person I broke up with was like, I feel like Joyce and Gordon-Levitt in 500 Days of Summer. And I was like, well, I guess I better watch that movie. And then I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's accurate, actually. <laughs> You're like, sucks for you, bruh. No, that nice. sounds about right. Nice. Um, so actually, that leads us to the next thing, which is that expectations can be stifling to a relationship. You can find yourself putting either unconsciously or very consciously, you can find yourself putting a lot of energy and effort toward forcing a relationship into something that it currently isn't or possibly will never be. And I think we all have had personal experience with this. We all know people who have done things like this. You know, this is very much tied to... Uh, all the old adages about not being able to change people and things like that. I think this is a very common experience for people. Yeah, and not even just about changing people, but also by going in with very limiting expectations, very specific expectations, you might also miss out on an opportunity to have some kind of a really cool, unique, enlightening, you know, self-growing kind of relationship that you wouldn't you know, that you would have been able to have, but you can't because you tried so hard to force it into these other expectations that it didn't fit. Like I definitely have some relationships in my life um, before being polyamorous that my partner didn't want to have that kind of a monogamous relationship, escalatory type of relationship, but I did. That was my expectation because I had strong feelings for them. And I thought the only way you can show these strong feelings is by having this kind of relationship. And so ended up either ending it or trying so hard to force that, that they had to end it. And looking back now, I'm like, man, that could have been a really cool relationship to have if I'd been more willing to let the relationship be what it was going to be instead of trying to force it into something specific. And I just wanted to point out that this can work on the opposite side as well. Like even if you carry maybe more negative or more neutral expectations for a relationship, maybe you want to keep a relationship super casual or, 
I don't know, maybe you've just gotten, th- I know I've gone through this many times in my life where maybe you've just gotten through a breakup. And so to you, any potential new relationship is just going to be a horrible well of doom and gloom. <laughs> um, you know, even coming to a relationship with that expectation can also stifle it and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put it within this particular, like these particular borders, I guess, that don't actually exist. Just right before I met you, I remember you had dated a person and ended up like, knowing eventually towards the end of it like well this just isn't going to work out i'm we're going to break up and it's always interesting to me thinking about had we been polyamorous at the time maybe you could have still been dating that person and it would have been fine and exactly what it was at the time and that would have been okay yeah definitely there's so so many possibilities that i think were not options for me in the past yeah um and then the last thing that i have here is that You can tell it's an expectation that you're holding if it's something that is mostly focused on the future, as in if you're holding on to like a particular image of how you want a particular relationship to go or how you want a partner to be or to act that's in the future. Um, that's definitely tied to what your expectations may be. And this can look any number of ways, right? It can look really positive. It can look really traditional. It can look really non-traditional. Um, it can look any number of ways, but if it's very much focused on like, this is going to be a thing that, that has to happen in the future or that we're going to get to in the future, that's probably some kind of expectation that you're holding on to. Yeah. Great. So let's move on to differentiating between expectations and something that's a boundary or a need. Mm -hmm. Because as we've been talking so far about um, expectations, that these are about, you know, how you want a situation to turn out, how you want a partner to act, maybe what you want your relationship to look like. These are, I guess I would put them more in the category of desires, which Mm. is different from needs or boundaries. Yeah, it starts to get a little bit fuzzy, I suppose. It's, It's a little bit more subtle. Well, especially when we think, I have to find someone who's going to fit Mm. this particular model for my life. And if that's not going to work out, then why waste my time? Right. That's kind of, yeah, I guess people can treat those expectations a little bit more like a need. Mm -hmm. Uh, But how would we, how, how would you propose that we would differentiate between those? So the way that I've come to think about it is that expectations concern how you want a situation to turn out in the future, how you want a partner to act in the future, Boundaries reflect what your own conduct conduct is going to be in the light of something that goes counter to your values. Um, we've covered boundaries a lot on this show. Definitely please go back and listen to all of our stuff on boundaries. Um, uh, please use the right terminology around boundaries. Like whenever somebody says this person broke a boundary, I'm like, what? That makes no sense, <laughs> but I'll rant about that later. Um, so boundaries are something that, for instance maybe in your relationship, maybe you have something that could be a healthy expectation, like I expect to feel safe in my relationship, for Mm -hmm. instance, let's say that. And then something happens that goes counter to that. Maybe your partner is really nasty to you in a fight and like, uh, you know, uses name calling or some other kind of abusive tactic. Your boundary is like, okay, my boundary is that if this happens, I'm not going to be in a relationship like this anymore. Like, it's you know some people call it deal breakers things like that where where it concerns your own behavior as in i cannot let myself be in a relationship where someone's calling me names for instance and right. then you leave and um, the important part of that is that 
you would then leave that situation. It's not they didn't break a boundary. The boundary is something that you own yourself. Right. right? It's right. about what action you will take if this boundary is crossed. Right. So these are yeah, pretty serious think- things. So if you think if someone crossed this, would I stay with them? And you say yes, then that's not a boundary. Mm-hmm. And I think that people need to make those boundaries aware. They need to talk to their partner about them and their relationship mm-hmm. because if somebody breaks that and then you're like, peace, I'm out. All of a sudden, I mean, I get that that might be a boundary, but it's challenging if it's not spoken about well, it, in a relationship. But it does beforehand. get challenging also because people mm-hmm. use boundaries, I, I think, incorrectly in trying to control their partner's behavior. As mm-hmm. in, like, so let's say their partner calls them a name. And so they say, well, if you call me a name again, then I'm leaving. Uh, well, yeah, that's like an ultimatum, right? though. So that's and the thing. that's it's, not it's, good either. All these things can be so subtle, right? They're yeah. so subtle. And both of they can be used for good and for evil. The boundaries and ultimatums, especially. Yeah. They're, are just, they live very close together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but to go on to describing needs, for instance, which are different from expectations, the way that I think about it is that a need is something that you will ask your partner for and will communicate to your partner, hey, like, I need this. Like, I need honest communication from you. Or, hey, I need to be able to vent to you about this particular thing. Um, And I think that, again, the line between needs and expectations can be very subtle, but I think that it, it does come down to, like, how much communication there is around it. And also the thing is that, like, if you communicate a need to a partner, your partner may say no. And then it starts mm-hmm. to then it then it starts to go into boundary territory as well of like well like can I be in a relationship with this person where I don't get my needs met or not um, do I need to reexamine my needs you know and then you kind of continue through the flow chart from there <laughs> and, and if if I may offer just a slightly different view on this um, I actually have a a little bit of an issue of the way that the term need is used mm-hmm. in. Dating, I find it especially with non-monogamous people that this idea of having my needs met or I'm not getting my needs met, the the reason why it rubs me the wrong way is because of the word need, that need is a, a requirement. This isn't just mm. something that I want. It's not something I desire, but it's something that I need. And so to me, if it truly is something that's a non-negotiable, I need this or else I can't function, then to me, that's a boundary. Mm. And then you should just call it that and don't be in that. And if you're not getting that, and that truly is a boundary for you, then you need to actually enforce your boundary and leave that situation. But if I feel like people will use needs as just kind of, it can be leveraged into this way of making rules or just trying to force their partner to give them something that they might not want to give, which to me then comes back to expectations. Mm. So I feel like needs is kind of this slippery chameleon that tries to disguise itself as something else to Mm. allow it to get in there. But so I actually don't encourage using needs. And I know a ton of people are going to jump all over me and disagree. And I love that. Uh, But anyway, that's jumped on. Well, I love when people have opinions. Would you call it a need though? No, I wouldn't. That's exactly my point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Like, would you propose calling it something else entirely, like you said, a want? Because I think a lot of people will look at a need and say, like, hey, I really need some love and care right now, or I really need, like, some cuddles, or I need a back rub or something. And that's entirely different than saying, you know, you're not meeting my needs, you're not... It's just expressing... I guess a want exactly. Mm. So do you think that well, it's okay 
to say that instead. I mean, because I've had partners ask uh-huh. me, like, what are your needs right now? Like, how can I fulfill your needs? But they're asking for something specific like that. Like, do you do you want love or do you want, you know, reassurance or anything along those lines? Yeah, it's it's a tricky thing because of the way we use language that it's like mm-hmm. you said that you could say, I need I need a, I need a hug right now is one thing to say versus, you know, my needs aren't being met or these are my needs or I need a partner who can meet my needs. Yeah, there seems to be a differentiation well, here ambiguous. between like what's happening in a particular situation versus this kind of zooming out to look at the entire relationship. Well, that's right? my point is that we're using the same word. So it's a little bit tricky. And what I mean is when we're using the need as a way of saying my partner has to behave a certain way. And I guess that's that's what I'm getting at. And I think often when people are saying my needs aren't being met, that's the way they're using it versus saying, because in the example of saying I need a hug right now, you could just as easily replace that with I could really use a hug right now. I would sure. like a hug right now. A, a, hug, help, would, a hug would really help a hug would right really now. Help, right. That we understand as English speakers that those are essentially synonymous with each other. But yeah. this kind of like, I need you to to be this way for me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or like I need, that's, you, I need you to make me feel better because well, I'm in that, a, that, you know, too. that I agree is unhealthy, of course. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, sure. Of course, needing someone else to change you, that's, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. But I just mean, even saying I need you to Excellent. spend this much amount yeah. of time with me, or I need you to do these sorts of things with me mm-hmm. that to me, that's where this using this word need gets, unhealthy. Mm, uh, and yeah. so that's why I generally discourage the use of it at all when talking about like navigating your relationship needs. And I know yeah, a lot of people disagree, like I said, that but makes sense. Well, just I mean, to throw it does so come down to language. It just, it starts to get slippery. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's get back to expectations, shall we? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to go through kind of the most common unhealthy expectations that crop up in relationships. And then later on, we'll also address what are some like healthy or reasonable expectations to have, because I don't want people to get the impression that I think all expectations are bad. And actually, you know, to go the route of being so Zen that you have no expectations, it's great. It's really hard to do. It's really, really hard to do. But it it is a very, like, I do think it's a great thing to aspire to, to be just like so equanimous that you can let go of every expectation. Um, And it's a good pursuit. But realistically, not all of us can hit that on a daily basis, at least we can have moments of that, but sometimes it's hard to maintain that day in and day out through new relationships, old relationships, breakups, all that stuff. Um, So let's talk about some of these unhealthy expectations. These, these unhealthy expectations to me, they can sometimes also get wrapped up in a sense of entitlement that we may carry into our relationships. And I think Mm. that that's what also kind of makes them a little bit toxic. Um, uh, just to start out on this list is we can we can start having unhealthy expectations from day one, uh, from the first date, from before the first date, even sometimes, you know, especially if that's someone that we find we're attracted to, there's chemistry, we're really excited about the idea of getting to know this person, the, all those brain chemicals, those NRE chemicals are flowing through your body and through your mind, um, that you can right away start building this expectation of like, oh, it's going to be magical and perfect and excellent and this person, this is like, this is the person I've been looking for who's going to fit XYZ mm. needs or fit this particular mm-hmm. slot that's in my life. Um, right. And I, I don't know. I, 
I would make the argument, and I actually I hope that you guys hold a different opinion because I would love to debate this a little bit, but I would make the argument that I think that at the beginning of a relationship is the time that you need to do the most work to let go of expectations. Sure. I mean, at least some. You, at least, okay. It, I think... I would ideally, especially if I'm polyamorous, going into a situation with a first date, I would want to let go of any expectations of what that date or what that person is going to represent to me at a later time. I think just speaking from my personal experience, I think that's what I tend to do because I find that if I do start dating someone or start being really intrigued by someone in particular, that in the absence of knowing more information about that person, my mind is more likely to fill in expectations and that I find that at the beginning of a relationship is when I need to do the most personal work of trying to be more zen, of trying to really intentionally let go of expectations right. in order to let myself be open to it developing, you know, however it's going to develop. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the counter argument that I wanted to make was to just say, well, it's one thing to go in with a hope, which mm. is very similar to an expectation of, oh, I really hope this person... Hope is always the first thing to die. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, but there's one thing that, you know, go in with hope, which could also look like an expectation of, man, I, you know, I want this to be this type of relationship because that's a type of relationship I'd like to have. And so at first I want to say that's fine because then if you're on the date and it seems different from that, as long as you're able to adapt and change with that, it's okay. But I feel like where it does still become a problem is if it does start to seem like it's going to be that thing. Right. If you go right mm -hmm. into the first date and immediately mm -hmm. you see, ah, oh, this isn't going to meet my expectation, but that's okay. I'm going to see where this takes me to. But if it does seem like your expectation, that's when you start locking it down. Start crystallizing it. And start limiting it. It's like it, it reinforces it. And then it's much harder to get out of that mindset, out of that idea of what you thought this relationship could be. Mm, I see. So I guess I do agree. I wanted to disagree. I wanted really badly <laughs> to, but. I think you might be right. <laughs> I would say also to keep in mind, anytime your relationship is changing a label, you know, if, you, if you're going to use labels, right. right? If you're getting engaged or you're getting married or you're, you know, going steady or whatever it is that God, you're going steady. Is this the 1950s? I was going to yeah. say, you how know, whatever, old are you? Whatever. God, not that how old. How old are you? <laughs> whatever label it is, to, I would say that's also a moment to really be aware of letting go of the expectations that might come along with that mm -hmm. or living with someone actually is a big one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's definitely. something that when Emily and I moved in together, we spent a lot of time talking about what our expectations were for that and how to manage that. Mm -hmm. And it was still a difficult transition, even though Emily and I have always gotten along very well that yeah. living together all of a sudden has this, these other expectations about what living with someone looks like and what, you know, sharing a house with someone looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even worse with romantic partners than it is just with roommates. Mm, it can so still be bad with them too, though. So <laughs> maybe still let yeah. go of your expectations a little. Yeah. Uh, the next one that I want to bring up is a, a quite insidious one that I think is usually an unconscious expectation that people hold going into relationships. And it's the expectation that in being with this person, I'm never going to have to feel hurt or lonely or angry or frustrated or horny ever again. <laughs> and I know that when we're caught up in the throes of NRE, it can really feel that way of like, oh my God, this person's so amazing. And like literally every second I spend with them, I feel so good and so high and they seem so great for me and we communicate so well. It's like they know what I'm thinking. And, <laughs> and 
I mean, I think it can really perpetuate this toxic thing that then when the NRE starts to wear off, or maybe when the first time you have a disagreement or the first incompatibility comes up, that if on this unconscious level, we're carrying this sense that like, oh, and meeting this person and falling in love with them, like, I'm never going to feel negative ever again. It can be really devastating to us, Mm. I think. Yeah, and I wanted to call back to the sense of entitlement that you spoke about Mm. earlier. Because I think especially something like sex... Um, if you are having sex a ton in the first few months, even six months to a year, however long those chemicals are kind of occurring in your brain, and then it does wear off, it can feel, one could feel kind of a sense of entitlement surrounding that. Like, you know, I did, I should still have sex as much as I was once. Like, why is that not happening anymore? And that's a weird screwed up expectation potentially (laughs) well and to continue my my soapbox about needs uh (laughs) that i would say that's another one too like having your sexual needs met by someone again using the word needs Mm -hmm. then does kind of put this pressure on like well here's something you need to do for me in order to be in this relationship with me Mm -hmm. which starts Mm -hmm. to sound like that unhealthy ultimatum version of boundaries that we talked about right well it can get into this weird in-between space where it's like maybe you feel lonely someday even though you're in a relationship and it could be very easy to be like, hey, I'm not supposed to feel lonely. That must be something wrong with my partner. There must be something that my partner is not doing that's making me feel lonely. Or even with a sex thing, like, hey, I feel horny. I'm, I'm not supposed to feel horny. I'm in a relationship. <laughs> like, clearly my partner's not having enough sex with me. Um, yeah, that, that I think this one can really be deeply buried. And it's really important to be able to, I guess, have the self-awareness to examine, like, if you're holding on to that kind of expectation. Yeah, and the next one we have here kind of goes along with that a little bit, and that's the idea that I'm always going to come first. Uh, And this is in both monogamous relationships as well as non-monogamous ones, that just because you're someone's romantic partner doesn't mean you're always going to be the top priority in their life. And that that expectation is one that we're told is good to have. Well, we're told you should expect bay, it. The word bay, which I hate, uh-huh. but it stands what for... It, what does it mean? It stands for before all... Before anything else? Before, before all, all else? I've heard it a couple else, different ways. It's a couple oh, different really? ways. Yeah, that's what bay stands for. I'm always just like... <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but it's but that's what we're, we're sold by the movies and the romantic stories and all of that is that that's what you should expect. And when you find someone who will prioritize you above everything else, including their family and their health and their career and anything, then that's the one you should be with. And as we talked about in our love episode, I would argue it's the opposite that it's, if you find someone who has other things going on in their life, besides just being in love, then that's when you actually get to experience the best relationships because they are a whole person Mm. that you're getting to interact with instead of being someone who's just kind of morphing to like follow you around, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a line from more than two that's always stuck with me, which is that every human being at some point, wants to feel like a priority in their relationships but like it doesn't mean that they want to feel like the priority all the time but everyone needs to feel prioritized at some point and that's regardless of what kind of relationship in romantic relationships in family relationships Mm -hmm. anyone who has multiple kids knows that at some point like every kid is going to want to feel like a priority at some point um 
you know, and so that's the thing is even in monogamous relationships, I think this is the case is that, so there's, there's that truth over there that like everyone at some point wants to feel prioritized. Then there's the other truth that human beings always have multiple priorities and these priorities do shift and change depending on context. And so that does mean that, you know, even if you're in a monogamous relationship with somebody, but that somebody is currently studying to pass the bar exam and this is a dream they've had for many, many years and it's very important to them then expecting them to cancel all their study plans to come hang out with you may not be realistic, um, even though they love you like crazy and you're in a great relationship. Um, so again, this is another one that sometimes people are more conscious of, you know, I do expect that I'm going to come first always. Sometimes people are a little bit more unconscious and it can, you know, kind of crop up later on. Mm-hmm. The next one is a doozy, but <laughs> oh my goodness, does it happen a lot of times. And yeah. I think it tends to be more on the unconscious side, but then when it kind of comes to light that this is not necessarily something that one should expect. It becomes surprising and kind of sad and all of that. But uh, it's the idea that your partner should know you so well that they automatically know it should know what you need or what you want. Serious doozy. Yeah, I mean, they're not gonna probably in a lot (laughs) of situations just simply because your partner is not supposed to be a mind reader. And all the little nuances of yourself, they may not know what you want at any given time. And for anyone out there thinking, I'm not sure what what that means. Like, what does that look like? This is the thing that shows up in pouting, in the silent treatment. Passive aggressiveness. Or the thing that we see so often in the movies or the sitcoms of like, you know what you did. Mm. And it's like, I don't, I have to guess or right. Or like, yeah, you, you, sh- you know, you should know if you don't know, then, then we have a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that it should be so obvious to you, whatever my problem is or whatever it is I'm upset about without me having to tell you. And I want to, I mean, it sounds really insidious the way we're describing it, but to kind of flip it a little bit, I've been in an experience where like I had a partner who came home, he'd had a bad day at work. Um, and so I was asking, I was like, like, how can I help you? Like, what do you need right now? Um, will this help? Will that help? And his position, and I mean, spoiler alert, the relationship is no longer in existence. Um, but his position yeah. was always like, well, if I just tell you, then that's not genuine. Like, if I just tell you what to do or what to say, and then you do it or say it, then it's not genuine. Mm. So like the people who are very resistant to this, like, I, like there's a part of me was like, okay, I guess I get that. But it's not like... You know, it's not like, um, you know, you're going to tell someone what to say, then they're just going to like robot parrot it back to you and then it's all going to be okay. You know, like things are obviously a little bit more organic, but I think that that's part of what makes this so prevalent in relationships is not only do we have like all our socialization around like how romantic it is, the idea that a partner could, could read your mind or just knows you so freaking well that they can provide You're all your wants and needs. each other's sentences. Right, right. But I think there's that side of like, there's like, like we feel like it's unromantic to have to actually express our needs or mm. have to actually ask for what we want. It's like both vulnerable and it's been painted to be kind of unromantic because it's like, well, if you don't surprise me with a hug, then how can I appreciate that hug or whatever? Yeah. You and know? I think it's also worth pointing out that this is one that, yeah, when your partner does do something for you, that you didn't ask for, of course, like that's a yeah, great, great thing. It feels, it feels awesome. And being a partner and, you know, 
when you successfully guess what it is that your partner wants, that also feels great, right? Maybe they don't even know what they want. They're just feeling bad or are stressed about work or whatever it is. And you think of, oh, I think this thing might help them or I know this is something they like. That's awesome. Like still do that. Be, be romantic for sure. Go, you know, go ahead and do all those things. But I think that for myself, at least having an awareness of this so that if I am feeling that thing of, gosh, I just want my partner to do something and maybe I don't even know what it is, but I still expect them to figure it out of just kind of going, okay, that's, that would be cool if that happened, I guess, but that it's not a requirement. It's not a need. And again, going back to that need word. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a want. Is that better, Jess? Yeah. Yeah. I want, maybe I don't even know what I would want or what would help me. But just knowing that... they're not going to know if you're not going to know. Well, and maybe they do. And if they do, it's a bonus. I guess that's what I'm getting (laughs) at, is that's like a cool extra and not a requirement. Like if your partner happens to guess what you want and gives it to you, that's a bonus. It's not... It shouldn't be expected. It shouldn't be a baseline, I say. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Then the last one that we have on this list is is kind of a twofer. It's a twofer-one because it's two sides of the same coin. And it's it can be really unhealthy to carry the expectation of this partner or this relationship will always stay the same as it is right now. And it's not going to change. Like it's going to be like this forever. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, both positively and negatively, you know, to have like this really, really positive fantasy land idea of the relationship can, and that like, that's how it's always going to be or having a really negative, uh, more depressing, more, gloomy idea of the relationship and that's just how it's always going to be those both can can be unhealthy to hang on to and then on the other side of that same coin is holding on to the expectation that this partner or this relationship will definitely change from the way that they are now and that sounds like a paradox to put it that way um but it just works it's just one of those zen koan kind of style experiences where it's like both expecting that things are going to stay the same and also expecting that a person's going to change in a particular way can be unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, I think about that. uh, I think one of the two of you said this regarding a monogamous woman, I guess, and her husband who were married for 60 years. And somebody said, how could you stay married that long? And she was like, well, I've been married to 10 different men in that amount of time. Yeah. I was talking about that. It just, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, if at the very least, it goes to show that people do change hugely over the course of their lives. Even in the time that I've known you, which, Jace, it's been almost seven years, Jeez. we've changed incredibly so in much. that amount of time. <laughs> so much. Yeah, and yet, you know, it's you can still maintain a relationship with someone in some capacity, regardless of how much you change in that period of time. Right. It's inevitable. Yeah, and and maybe you won't still stay close, but that's okay too. You know, either way, that either trying to hold on to like getting things back to the way they were at one point is just futile because you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, yeah, expecting that something will change, and instead of asking yourself that question of if nothing ever changed, mm-hmm. would I still be okay being in this relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of uh, in the musical Bye Bye Birdie, there's that, there's the song that like the, the subplot love characters, the, the woman from that sings her song about like to find a boy and change him. Like that's sort of the purpose of a woman is to like find that special boy that you want to change and make into the man that you want him to be. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's incredibly unhealthy stuff that's, that's out there in 
in a, in a in a show that gets performed in a lot of high schools and middle schools at a point when people are especially vulnerable to these kinds of messages. But yes. yeah, anyway. <laughs> When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. What are some reasonable or healthy expectations to hold going into a relationship? Because I found that sometimes when you have this conversation about letting go of expectations, letting a relationship be organic, you know, letting there be a blank slate that people can kind of get up in arms to be like, well, does that mean I have no standards? Does that mean that someone can do whatever the heck they want to me? Does that mean that, you know, clearly this person who also doesn't have any boundaries or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, you know, if I don't have any expectations, how do I conduct a relationship at all? Um, and so I wanted to, to talk about what are some things that we could reasonably expect in a relationship. And as in like, we maybe we, we wouldn't even necessarily have to ask for these things because they'd be expected. And like, even saying that phrase mm. makes me nervous. It but, does, yeah. But, but I posed that to myself. I was like, what are the things that I, that I can think of? Like, if I start a new relationship today, what are the things that I would expect that I wouldn't feel the need to like sit this partner down and be like, I need or want this, 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 and this. Like what are kind of like my base level things? And so I started coming up with this list and some of them are a little bit strange because it is kind of a strange question. Um, (laughs) The first one that I came up with was holding the expectation that whatever happens in the relationship, I am going to learn about myself and I'm going to grow as a human being. And that means... almost seems more like an expectation of yourself. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. So then it's a bound? No. It's no, 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 no. <laughs> no. It's just an expectation of well, yourself. Okay. Uh, well, I hold that one because it uh, lets me to let go a little bit and to know, like, however this relationship plays out, whether this person I end up 
being in a relationship with for 10 years, whether we just like hook up a couple times and then that's it, whether we find that we're maybe not compatible and we just become good friends, um, whatever's going to happen that I can hold that expectation that it's going to be still there for my own personal growth and for me to gain more self-awareness about myself. And I think that kind of helps to take the sting away of like the fear of like, oh, but what if it doesn't work out? Oh, but what if it goes horribly? Oh, you know, that I can still at least hold on to that. Have you had relationships where you haven't learned anything about yourself? I mean, I guess that could be, like I said, a boundary before. But if if you go into a relationship and kind of it's just very static and nothing occurs mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, I don't really think this is going anywhere. I don't really need to do this. And I guess, yeah, that's a healthy expectation to have that I only am going to be in relationships that further my growth as a human being. Yeah, I mean, I I would argue that even that relationship you just described, you could still learn about yourself. Well, that's my thing. Is yeah. like, it, it's a yeah. kind of a broader thing. It was like this idea. I mean, you could potentially learn about yourself from almost any situation. Well, I think I the think. important thing here is that if you go in with that as an expectation, even for yourself, then you, if you had that just one week relationship or it turned out we were just going to be friends, that you don't see that as a failure anymore. Like you would have had you gone in with the expectation that this has to be my next, the one mm-hmm. or right. Sure. <laughs> my next long-term relationship, or this has to be the, the father of my children or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to just go ahead and roll into the next one. Yeah. Um, the next one that I wrote down was having the expectation that I'm going to feel good in a relationship more often than I feel bad. It's not the expectation that like I'm always going to feel good or I'm always going to feel bad. And well, I started thinking about this one. If I put it through that litmus test of something that I could expect and that I wouldn't necessarily have to communicate to a partner, like starting out in a relationship. Um, and it was that like, I might sit down and communicate to my partner you know, I have a history of dealing with people with a, who have abusive behavior. And so that means that, you know, if somebody calls me names, that's a boundary for me. I can't be in a relationship. Like I can tell my partner that, like those specifics. But as far as this general expectation of like, I expect that in a relationship, I'm going to feel good about the relationship more often than I feel bad. And if you go back to our Science of Happy Relationships episode, not just a little bit more, but it should be at least like an 80-20 kind of right. thing, right? Yeah. At least I think Gracie five... Gracie X said the same thing. Right. Yeah. Gracie X said the same thing. So is that is... And I think that's a reasonable expectation to have. It could also be a boundary for you, but because it's it's not so quantifiable, it's not such a clear like... Oh, well, from my tally sheet here, right. I see that we've, it's actually only been 79% good. So that's a boundary I got to bounce. But if it is more of an expectation, then it's reasonable to say, oh, okay, well, this isn't really being, you know, I'm not really getting what I expected. So maybe I should rethink this relationship. Yeah, I, I guess my thing is like, I don't like if you, if I have that expectation and I'm finding my partner is not meeting that expectation, I don't want to be like, oh, I guess I should let go of that expectation and just tolerate a shitty relationship right. essentially you know because i think this is a healthy one that is okay to hold on to and if you're not getting it rather than changing your expectation or letting it go you know just get out mm-hmm. so another one that we have here is just having the ability to express your desires or your needs or your wants or your boundaries and then to be able to make your own decisions about that based on whether or not my partner can meet these or acknowledges these so i know this one's kind of 
it's like so zoomed out, it's so meta. But basically, yeah, that if I think it would be reasonable to go into a relationship with the expectation that I can communicate the things I want and I need and to have those be heard and be received. Again, with a lot of these, certain aspects of this could also be a boundary for you saying if a partner immediately shuts down when I express a concern that I have, then that's a boundary for me. Whereas the expectation can be a little more general. It can be, I expect to have people who receive these things well. Well, I was going to say, I made it more about being able to express it because maybe you express a desire and your partner says no, and that's okay. Like it is okay for your partner to say no. Now, of course you, then the ball's back in your court to decide, okay, what do I do with this? Like, you know, then is this a boundary? Is it not? Can we negotiate? Can we compromise? But I really wanted to zoom it out that it's more about you should be able to at least express what it is that you want, what your boundaries are, that there should be a space where you can talk about these things. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that I said that they would be received. And I I realize I use this word and I often don't explain it. But by being received, what I mean by that is that they actually listen to what you're saying and consider it and give you a reasonable response as opposed to just immediately shutting it down and not even thinking about it or disrespecting that desire or something. Because it is one thing to say, oh, I understand, but no, I don't really want to do that or that's not what I'm looking for or whatever versus, oh God, like what's wrong with you, Mm. right? (laughs) That that would not be receiving it well or maybe just ignoring it would also not be receiving it. Another healthy expectation to have for yourself is that your desires, your needs, um, and even your expectations themselves may change over time. Because again, you are not going to be the same person potentially from one, you know, section of your relationship to the next. And so your needs and everything that you think that you may want will potentially change over time and that you should expect that to be an okay thing in your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And you started talking about this one earlier a little bit. Yeah, I did. I think that it's a healthy and reasonable expectation to want to feel safe in your relationships. Can you Um, tell us more about what you mean by safety? Safety can cover many different arenas, right? You know, it can mean I want to feel physically safe as in I don't want to feel afraid that my partner is going to harm me. And I hope that's a boundary for people. Yes. Yes. You know, this is a deal breaker. (laughs) Well, I but think that's, that should well, but, be. But again, I think it falls under this category where that's something that like you shouldn't have to sit down your partner and be like, hey, so... Just you know, this just is... You know, you should. Um, you're right, you're really, right. You, However... You know, <laughs> like, I think that's a healthy expectation to have. So it can mean physical safety. It can mean emotional mental safety, as in also not being on the receiving end of emotional abuse, of being able to be vulnerable, being able to open up to a partner about certain things. Um about being able to have privacy, I think. So there's like a certain amount of like privacy, personal safety there that you feel safe that safe and secure that your privacy is going to be respected in a relationship. Um, and so, but again, to clarify in expecting to feel safe in a relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean expecting that you'll never feel uncomfortable or expecting that you're never going to feel challenged. I think those are different things because those go back to our unhealthy expectation of I'm never going to have to feel angry. I'm never going to have to feel lonely. I'm never going to have to feel uncomfortable ever again. Right, right. That you'll never be challenged by any of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think this one is worth spending the time to think about what aspects of this are boundaries for you, though, uh, and to think about them in advance. And because when you're in 
a relationship, especially if you've been in it a while, it can actually be much harder than it seems from the outside to have these boundaries, to, to enforce these, to get yourself out of a situation that is a place where you don't feel safe, either emotionally or even physically. And so it is, it, I think it's so easy to think, oh, well, this, this would never happen to me, or, oh, obviously I would get out of that situation if I was in it. But to really spend a little bit of time and specifically think about what, what would I do in these situations? Where would I draw the line mm. between, you know, if a partner, you know, were to, to, I don't know, like jokingly slap my hand, is, is that a boundary for me of any kind of physical, you know, aggression like that? Or, or what is it kind of get, get a sense for that. Cause we don't think about these things very often. Mm-hmm. Finally, the last one is going to be a reasonable balance between giving and receiving. So we talk, we have spoken about emotional labor on this show, but definitely if uh, you are sort of giving more emotional labor in terms of, I don't know, just emotional support to your partner um, or a certain type of emotional labor that maybe you feel your partner is not continuing to give back to you, then that could potentially be a boundary or expectation. <laughs> Again, the line is, is slim here. <laughs> For sure. But I do think that that I was actually just um, I was just thinking about this with friendships, about how in our friendships over our lives there will be some give and take. There will be times where sure. I'm I'm going through something, and so I'm taking up most of the attention, and I'm being self absorbed because I'm going through something. And then there will be other times where my friends are the ones going through things, and I'll be the one giving more and not focusing on my own needs as much for their sake, and that if this imbalance becomes systemic, that's mm-hmm. where it's a problem and it might be time to end that friendship. And I think the same thing applies in relationships. If it's always going one way, then it's not that they're a bad person, but this might just not be a good situation for you. Uh, and that it is okay to respect that about yourself and to have this expectation that you want to be met. Yeah, and we talked about codependency a bit in a previous episode, and I think this kind of can fall into that category as well, that potentially if you are okay with the fact or enable your partner in some way because they keep wanting things from you and you keep giving it to them Mm. or enabling a behavior within them, then that can become a a poor probably choice in your relationship Mm. and potentially you need to take a look at that and examine it. Absolutely. Yeah. So to bring us home here, I think that a question that we've gotten a lot of question I've gotten often in my coaching practice is people realizing, uh, I think that my expectations for this relationship do not match my partner's expectations. What do I do? Or someone realizing, you know what, this new relationship, I don't think it's going the way that I think that it was going to go. What do I do? How do I change my expectations of it? Like maybe they're like, you know, I don't necessarily want to just break up with this person or or whatever. I'm okay for it to be organic, but how do I let go of this particular expectation of how it was going to go? Um, I think very often it's that I really wanted a serious relationship yeah. and this partner doesn't want a serious relationship. Yeah. 
I don't want to have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and give all of this up. So how can I let go of this expectation? Yeah. That's the one that I, I see the most often, I think. Of course, it does vary. You know, for instance, if you identify as more monogamous and maybe you do specifically want to find someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with, it makes the stakes a little bit higher as far as you know, are you willing to tolerate just being in a relationship where you're not getting what you want, like what you want? I, like, I think that this conversation becomes a little bit broader when we're talking about polyamory, where it's like, maybe I have multiple partners and I'm not looking for anything in particular, but like this one just didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to be. But in good old fashioned relationship anarchist style, I'm okay to keep, be connected with this person and kind of create some kind of new custom connection. Um, so I think that, you know, the list of I guess the list of solutions that we have here are not going to apply across the board, regardless of your relationship format, but you're going to kind of have to pick and choose. Yeah, or, or adapt them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would say the, the very first one to start with here is just, if you haven't already, start talking about these expectations that you have. That it's one thing to say, well, I have this expectation and I don't think my partner wants that, mm. versus we've had a conversation about it and this is what I expected or what I'd hoped for, and this is what they are looking for, then you have, at least have a starting point. Mm-hmm. Now you actually know what you're working with, and you can see, okay, which parts of this can we find that will work for both of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that I would recommend is to seek some kind of outside help to, that can help you get a little bit of a reality check on what your expectations are. And I've seen this go both ways. I've seen people who maybe go to a counselor or a therapist or a coach or even a friend that they trust, that they have a good rapport with. And they may say, well, I was expecting this for the relationship. And this third party can be like, whoa, that is really not realistic. Maybe you need to check yourself um, Uh as far as where you think this relationship's going to go. I've also seen people come to their friends or to a coach or to a counselor and say, well, you know, my partner's not meeting my expectations. And so I changed my expectations so that, you know, it's okay if he lies to me. Um, and that this other person can be like, actually, that doesn't sound very good either. <laughs> um, you know, so seeking someone who's outside of the situation, whether it's a friend, of course, your friend's probably going to be a little bit biased. Um, or if it's a professional can help you to work through what your expectations are, which ones are healthy, which ones are unhealthy, which ones are serving you, which ones are not. Yeah, I, I think definitely we've spoken about um, counseling uh, with a partner in the past, but it's good to do that potentially when the relationship isn't already in the shitter, as we say. <laughs> yeah, but yes. if it, if it's more of a um, preventative measure mm-hmm. rather than it's on its last leg mm-hmm. and you're just trying to save it in whatever way possible. Definitely. I also just wanted to add that when you are going to other people to kind of check in on this and get other opinions, that it is important to look at the source and maybe get multiple opinions and also evaluate them for yourself. Because I think the real hope would be that by going to someone else to get their opinion, it's not because you want them to make a decision for you. But by hearing their answer, even if you ultimately disagree with it, it at least gave you that external prompting to come up with that answer yourself, which is why good coaches and therapists aren't just going to tell you what to do. They're going to help you figure out 
for yourself what it is that you want to do because Mm -hmm. no one knows you as well as you do. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that little caveat in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Another resource that I found extremely helpful in letting go of expectations that aren't serving me is a particular chapter in the ethical slot. Um, And it's the clean love chapter. And I I believe we referenced it when we interviewed Janet Hardy um, a few weeks ago. And it's so beautiful. It's just so wonderfully written. It's a very, very short chapter. If you have the ethical slot, I recommend checking it out. Um, and it's just this manifesto about being able to accept the love that people have to give you just as they are and just what it is that they have to give you and not worrying about forcing it to be anything else. Um, it just, it, I oftentimes, especially if I'm starting up a new relationship, I will read it many, many times to remind myself to just be like, okay, it's okay. I can just be open and I can receive whatever love is coming my way, whether it's from a relationship that's going to turn into something extremely emotional and passionate, or it's going to turn into just like a really cool friendship connection or whatever it turns into that I can accept it and be happy about what it is that I'm getting, you know, as far as love goes, instead of being disappointed about it, not matching my ideal or not matching what my image of it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The next one, and this is one that I particularly love, and that's allowing yourself to accept and enjoy the fact that there's more mystery and space in this relationship. And I think this can manifest in a lot of different ways besides just expectations, but of just understanding and allowing your partner to be a totally separate person from you that you will never fully understand. Mm -hmm. Even if you've been together for 50 years, that they might still be able to surprise you. And I think that is really powerful because that person you fell in love with in the first place was a person you didn't know everything about and you didn't know everything they were going to do. And that's the person you fell in love with. So then to think that now I'm going to change them into someone who's never surprising that I know everything about. Who's going to meet all of my expectations. And who's going to meet all of my expectations. (laughs) It's just like, well, but that's not what you fell in love with. That wasn't what excited you in the first place. That isn't what got you on that first date in the first place, whatever it is. But just to really enjoy the fact that I don't know everything about my partner. And by giving that space, you'll actually open yourself up to a lot of pleasant surprises as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and could even give you distance to better see bad surprises, I suppose, right. if those came up. <laughs> right. But yeah. seeing those, being able to see your partner enjoying other parts of their life and getting to witness that can be a really inspiring and amazing thing, getting to see them practice something or do something that they're really passionate about that might not be something you share or something you know everything about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, of course, within all of these, as we've reiterated many times in this episode, of course, take the responsibility and take the time to identify what your boundaries are, have the willingness to enforce those boundaries. You know, if if in examining what your expectations are, it actually comes to light, like, no, actually like what's happening in this relationship is crossing a boundary of mine, then, you Mm -hmm. know, take the responsibility to actually leave that relationship. If that's, if that's the case. Um, but within that, you know, in maintaining your boundaries, then yeah, you know, let this particular relationship be a blank slate and that's okay. Um, because a blank slate, you can do whatever you want with it and it doesn't have to look (laughs) a particular way. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that. That was awesome, guys. Thank you. I learned a ton today. Lots of things to think about within my own relationships and also just some good things to try whenever I'm feeling 
Like, oh God, something isn't going my way. What am I going to do about it? If you'd like to have your question or comment played on the show, you can call 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com or send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and join our private Facebook community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on the episodes page at multiamory.com. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers stay clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money.